This week, I'm joined by my friend Daniel O'Connell, a.k.a. Baby Dan, to talk about his new hip-hop career, politics, creativity, and Star Trek. Plus, I'll give you my quick review of The Last Jedi. Let's do it. Welcome to Sci-Fi. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury. I've got a great show for you this week. The conversation with Baby Dan was really interesting. I I really, really enjoyed it. I felt this catharsis after talking to Baby Dan. So uh, those are the conversations that I'm always the most excited to share, the ones where I really felt something in the room uh, as it pertained to my own life and creativity and direction. Uh, But before we get to that, let's talk about The Last Jedi real quick. I'm going to keep this short and spoiler-free. So I've seen the movie twice now, and I'm definitely, definitely a fan. I definitely like it. I had some conflicted feelings at first, and I wasn't really sure how I felt. But after talking through it with Jeff on the live broadcast that we did on YouTube last week and seeing it a second time, I, I definitely feel like it's a great movie. The first time I saw it, I left the theater feeling uh, a little disappointed. Not just that, but physically exhausted because it's two and a half hours and it's very intense and my whole body was aching with tiredness after the first time. But I did have these feelings of disappointment. I, w- I was mostly bummed by the middle of the movie, which I felt like kind of dragged and didn't make m- that much sense. And it, uh, there was some plot issues that I had a hard time wrapping my head around and some just like creative choices that I had a difficult time with. But I loved the beginning and I adored the end of the movie. So after my first viewing of the movie, my good friend Jeff Tapia and I sat down to do a live broadcast on YouTube where we talked through the whole thing and how we felt about every little detail of the film. The more I talked about it, the more I realized how much I liked it. And the more I realized that uh, the positive things that I had to say really outweighed the negative. And I went back to watch it again, and I really liked it the second time. I was able to kind of let go of the things that bothered me and really enjoy the things that I liked. And man, are there some incredible, epic moments in this that... Uh, that just really satisfied my need to see Luke Skywalker as an old man. You know, <laughs> there was like one scene in particular at the end of the movie that just really knocked my socks off that I I thought was so creative and brilliant and exciting. Uh, and it really made me uh, even more excited for episode nine when that comes out in two years. I know there's been a bit of a fan backlash, uh, and I just want to come down firmly on the on the pro side for The Last Jedi. I think it's a great movie. I, I am concerned about the fan outcry because it's very vocal this time. There's been a lot of talk about the Rotten Tomatoes score, how the critical consensus is very high. It's like 92, and the fan consensus is somewhere around 58, I think. It's pretty low. There is a group on Facebook that is claiming credit for having hacked Rotten Tomatoes or having tricked Rotten Tomatoes into making a really low score, but there are similar reactions on Metacritic, so it's unclear how the fans feel about this movie. I mean, either the fans really really, really divided on it, or somebody's been fiddling with the numbers on these websites. Either way, it it seems to have had a very polarizing response, much more so than The Force Awakens. I mean, Force Awakens, a lot of people didn't like it, but I mean, the vast majority of people seem to really enjoy it and be satisfied by it. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I did, I did have a lot of issues, but man, I do not feel like it deserves this backlash. I don't even know if the backlash is real. I mean, I don't trust these clickbaity headlines anyway, so who knows what's actually happening in people's minds. I liked it. A lot of my friends liked it. I haven't really talked to anyone who didn't like it, except for a, a part of myself during the first viewing, but it really held up to a second viewing, and I can't wait to watch it. Uh, many more times, which I'm sure that I will throughout the course of my life. It felt like Star Wars. Uh, it had some moments in it that just really, really, really made me happy and tied me back to what I loved about Star Wars as a kid. Uh, and yeah, it was great. I love it. Go see it. If you haven't seen it, go fucking see it. So if you want to hear my my long discussion with Jeff where we break down all the spoilers and everything, all the moments, what we thought about the whole entire movie, uh, you can find that archived on my YouTube page in the live sci-fi podcasts playlist at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi. Okay, let's get to my discussion with Baby Dan. This one's really interesting. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed uh, having it with with the miraculous baby Dan. So let's check it out. Watch those toesies. Them toesies. My little, my little, whittle little toesies. <clears throat> okay, nice. We're ready to go. And no mm-hmm. background noise today. That's really exciting. Nice. What's the background noise been like? The radio. Oh, you mean just uh, like the actual signal? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, I've been picked ever since I, well, honestly, like, the last two apartments I've lived in, I've had intermittent problems. Yeah. This apartment has been just constant, constant radio interference problems. Really? Yeah. I think it's because I'm a little bit higher up and we're on Capitol Hill. There's that big like radio broadcast yeah. tower. Have you recorded anything at DeRozier's before? I haven't, but I've heard stuff. I've heard that he has the same problem. Oh, it's sometimes it's horrible. Just yeah. like he'll be recording like a guitar part and you'll just hear Terry gross in the background. And yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, I've, I found a couple of things that help like these metal rings called ferrites that actually reject RF frequency. Okay. Radio frequency frequency is what I just said. That's what this is right here dangling on this cable. Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember yeah. these. So my first apartment in Seattle, I had this issue also, and I was recording a song, uh, for, it was like, supposed to be the theme song for this web series that I was writing music for called Causality that has yet to be released. And this was like five years ago, six, okay. years, six maybe seven years ago. Because it was um, right when you moved here, you said? Yeah. Uh, so I wrote this song called Cognitive Dissonance because the show is all about time travel. And then at the very end, when that, when the bass was fading out, like the radio faded in because like it was there the whole time. You just couldn't really hear it. So on the fade out, you hear someone say, and in the end, everyone dies. <laughs> that's incredible it was Did crazy you keep it? oh yeah i kept it yeah, it was so perfect. good it's the only time that that's been helpful <laughs> <laughs> but every now and then you know <laughs> yeah totally that i mean that was like kind of magical and yeah. there was there was a time where i was doing a podcast about i think terminator or something and we were talking about how it's the machines coming to get us through the cables and that was kind of fun yeah, yeah. but besides that it's been a gigantic pain in the ass <laughs> yeah that's fair you made the best of it the times you could yeah for sure it's solid um, yeah, just let me know if you want more teal. I got. We can repour this. Thank you. Times. That is uh, a big perk of coming to Jesse's uh, apartment. Green tea. It's good tea consistently. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm obsessed with green tea. Yeah. I love it. Every time it's like, check this one out. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, like a stoner buddy being like, you need to check out this pot. But totally. Yeah. Just tea. And I love it. It's really exciting for me to have someone come over who appreciates tea because I'm like, dude, let I me show you. I drink so much goddamn tea. Yeah. But I just drink like literally anything that's in front of me. But I drink so much of it. So then to have fancy tea, it's the shit. What's your tea of choice? Uh, literally anything that's in front of me. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, at work, I drink a lot of ginger tea because yeah. I do all my caffeine via coffee. So then I'm trying oh, okay. to not do caffeine in my tea also. Gotcha. So I'm a big, big ginger tea boy. Nice. I hear ginger and garlic are good for you. I don't know where I heard it, but I've heard that. I've heard that as well. Uh huh. So ginger, ginger tea f- for my health. Nice. Yes. For my vague health. <laughs> It is somehow helpful. <laughs> I I appreciate that. I actually feel like green tea is good for my health too. Like I read, you know, Antioxidants, I had I had kidney stones years ago, and it was so awful. I'm like looking up home remedies, and something that I saw was green tea. That green tea supposedly helps prevent kidney stones from forming. Huh. Uh, I went off coffee completely. I mean, I had I had already gone off coffee before I had kidney stones, but yeah. I think I used to work at Starbucks and I like coffeeed myself to the point of death. Yep, and just couldn't drink it anymore. And now I I still can only do decaf. That's like, fair. My brain, if I have that much caffeine, my brain like does weird shit now. It, uh, what like, it, really intense like migraines and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah. So not just like you become an anxious boy, but like literally your body rebels against you. Yeah, it's almost like I developed an intolerance huh. that I didn't used to have. I was drinking like six, eight shots a day, like it was no big deal. Yeah. You know, no, I feel no like, longer. I feel like I've always been pretty anxious, but I feel like I've developed actual anxiety somewhat as an adult, and yeah. I do sometimes wonder if it's at uh, if it's if it would have happened regardless of if I drank coffee or if it like is partially due to me just giving my body so much goddamn caffeine all the time. Yeah. I mean, I did a little bit of research back when I was having, starting to have problems with headaches mm-hmm. and because I used to, I mean, I had migraine problems before and actually it probably wasn't even migraines at all. It was probably Lyme disease, which I didn't know I had at the time. Uh-huh, fair enough. But uh, if, if caffeine is like if caffeine is like releasing or if caffeine is helping with your migraines, it's probably also the cause. Like probably lack of caffeine is probably the cause is what I discovered. Huh. Because caffeine uh, bonds to a receptor in your brain that something else bonds to and it gets blocked and you get a buildup of it. And if the caffeine stops bonding to that receptor, it gets inundated with this other thing that your brain has been creating that hasn't been able to bond with anything. Yeah. And it's just way too much and it causes, you know. And that's where the headaches come from. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Life yeah, that's is weird, fascinating. Man. <laughs> I, uh, Bodies are weird. Coffee is like one of those ones that I go back and forth on a lot because sometimes I'm like, well, I'm super, I'm like just an anxious person. So like, why am I doing this to myself on, uh, in some ways? Yeah. But then also I like will read all the time about how like people who drink coffee every day have like a, like a, like there are crazy statistics where it's like, you're like 40% less likely to get Alzheimer's and like 30% less likely to get yeah liver disease and i'm like there are studies that go both ways on coffee and a lot of each so (laughs) i feel like i don't trust any of that shit and i'm just like what does my body tell me you know and i try so i whenever i feel like my diet is affecting me negatively i just start taking out one thing at a time and see what happens if it gets better i just stop eating it completely yeah that's smart that's a good self-control that i don't have i like yeah i go i'll 
quit a thing and then I'll feel better and I'll be like, well, now I feel better. So I get to enjoy that thing again <laughs> and then I'll bring it back into the fold that's and so funny. I hate it again that's and then so I'll funny. cut it out. It's I quit like, coffee every year for like a month. See, that's a really good example of using the same process with like completely different logic to get a completely different result. Uh-huh. And yeah. that... We just broke science. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Science doesn't work anymore. We nope. ruined it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's ruined forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Baby Dan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Are you still going by Baby Dan? Yeah, I go by whatever people call me. I'm pretty on board with. I, I like nicknames. I think yeah. nicknames are are a sweet, nice part of being a human being. And so, if someone calls me one, as long as I don't like actively hate it, I'm on board. Yeah, totally. Because right. you can't give yourself a nickname. It's not. No, that's it's the not worst. allowed. Nothing. Those are the rules. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like those are rules that are followed pretty stringently, and no oh, one totally. ever has to talk about it. No one ever has to like be like. Well, but what about this nickname I came up with for myself? Everyone instinctively knows you can't nickname yourself. Totally. Have you seen Sports Night? No. It's a show that I love, uh, a sitcom. Is that the Aaron Sorkin one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's great. It's so great. Okay. Uh, I like Aaron Sorkin. I'll listen to people argue and walk in I love Aaron Sorkin. all day. Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, West Wing was amazing. I like Studio 60 a lot, although I didn't see I all of the first Studio season. 60. But, well, yeah, Sports Night is great. It's his first show. And there's this character who nicknamed himself Cutman, and he won't, like, respond to anything but Cutman. So they go live on the air, and they're like, what do you think about this, Greg, or whatever his name was? And he and just ignores them. And he's not responding. He's like, Cutman. And then he's like, you know, this is the time for sports and the weather and stuff. And then he just, then he talks. That's hot fire. So whenever people nickname themselves, I, I always think of Cutman. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, who's Cutman? Who plays him? Is it someone I would know? Oh, I don't remember. It was just, just like a, a one-off. 80s star. It was like a one-off episode. Wow. Oh. Yeah, some dude. He was good. He was good, though. Okay. I, I don't know who he was, but he did good work. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek and hip-hop, which is kind of cool. a weird combination. I don't think so. I think Star Trek is the most hip-hop show about star uh, stars nice um, i feel like you didn't know where you were going when you started but I you cert- ended somewhere and I that's certainly didn't <laughs> that's uh what's the word um i'm gonna go with admirable <laughs> sure yeah that's that is a word <laughs> that's a word yeah uh so i think it was i mean it was about a year ago at this time that you told me that you wanted to be a hip-hop artist and you wanted to i think longer than that is it longer I think than a year we were making beats during the summer last year i think we first uh yeah. I, I think, think we started like right after I went on medical leave, which was August. Yeah. So that think, sounds right. I think we maybe even started like within that month mm-hmm. or maybe like the next month or something. It would, I think August sounds right. Yeah. And yeah. yeah so you just like said, Hey, I want to make hip hop. Do you make yeah. beats? Can we work on something? And I'm like, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And you were wicked helpful. Uh, nice. Still I'm are. glad to hear that. Yeah. Cause I'll, uh, I have no musical knowledge whatsoever other than like what i like and so i would always just be like um what about this vibe and you'd be like "Ah, well that doesn't mean anything does this fit what you're looking for and i'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would just like i mean you just come over and i just start trying to make beats like uh, on the drum machine i'm like okay what kind of tempo do you want to you know uh-huh. rap over and i was like i don't know yeah. man just pick a tempo I bet. <laughs> yeah. so i'd pick a tempo and then i'd be like okay how, how does this sound and like yeah i like that i don't like that and we just kind of adjust mm-hmm. until a song was written yeah uh which was a really interesting way to work because uh for me it had to involve like not having any ego about anything because uh because it was really what a it, it's not about like what's good or bad it's about what does baby dan want mm-hmm. you know because like you have to 
be comfortable rapping over it and it needed to be right. something that you're not gonna make a thing good if you don't like the thing to begin with yeah totally nah. oh you know where this started huh. i totally forgot about this it was uh you wanted to make a hip-hop song out of a nickelback song. oh you're right i still want to if anyone out there makes an incredible beat using the song photograph yeah uh please send it to me i love the concept of taking uh uh yes i forgot about that i forgot yeah. that i brought that to you and was like is there any way this can happen and i made a draft of it mm-hmm. and it was it like pretty good it was it was okay it's pretty good i mean i feel like that song is so bad that it's so hard to take stuff from it kind of became like a funny beat you uh-huh. know and and i want to take it seriously that's I know, still a project i, I want to do yeah i, I really I like that idea i couldn't do it any way other than a little silly. i think that is super fair also yeah. <laughs> you made a good thing it's just i uh i actually kind of think of that as a bit of my baby the the yeah. idea of making something truly good out of yeah a nickelback uh, specifically the song photograph it's not just any nickelback song it's specifically photograph i would love to see it happen i'm not Ugh. convinced it's possible i think it's possible <laughs> i just i listen to so many like uh there are so many times that an artist who i love takes an already perfect piece of art and go like samples it and yeah. you're like now it's worse you made a beautiful thing worse yeah. like you did fine with it but it was a perfect thing and you made it slightly less than perfect <laughs> and i just love the idea of taking something that is universally hated like yeah. the song photograph and then making something actually good out of it uh appeals to me very much yeah you know it's so like nickelback feels universally hated to you and i because yeah. of where we live but i when i lived in san diego there was like a a scene of Nickelback lovers and I actually like I would run across people every now and then who'd be like what do you listen to I listen to Nickelback it's it's the best have you heard like this new single photograph it's so good I so I actually have some Nickelback theories um (laughs) okay one is that uh there's not that it's not where we live uh I everyone was into Nickelback but Nickelback became like for whatever reason just the word Nickelback became a punchline very suddenly uh, like Nickelback, Nickelback f- feels hated in a way that I think is actually unfair. Everyone's like, "Fuck Nickelback, they're the worst." And I'm like, "No, they're super average." They're, <laughs> but there are so many other bands that are equally average that were as famous as Nickelback. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the phrase Nickelback became the one that we all used as like the punchline, and so th- that is how that worked. But I like. I remember loving Nickelback. I used to know all the words to fucking Rockstar, which is a dumb song made on their like fifth album when they're already rock stars. Huh. Uh, I don't even remember that one. It's the whole song is like, I want to be a rock star. And it's like, motherfucker, you, you are, are a rock, rock star. star. <laughs> You're like doing a victory lap right now. And it's a little rude. Oh, <laughs> gross. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just interesting to me how like, I don't know. I think about it like country music, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere I've ever lived, it's kind of, uh unpopular to like country music okay uh where you kind of you would get made fun of if you liked country music which i think is shitty i don't like country music but i think it's shitty to make fun of someone for what they like but there are like places in the this country where country music is like the most popular type of music and if you didn't like it it'd be weird rural america so oh really where at uh yakima washington okay it's like a I forget that rural, rural America is in the state that we're in now. Oh, yeah. It's like two hours away. Also, rural. Hard Tough to say word. that without sounding wasted. Uh-huh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm from rural America. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so how, how was country music regarded there? Uh, it was just like, uh, it's like I'm going to say a top two genre that people listen to. 
I think probably the number one genre. Did you I listen like, to it as a kid? No. My dad did, and I always hated it. Just like it never appealed to me. Yeah. Uh, except for one song called Lil Bitty that was fucking hot fire. It's <laughs> a good song. Uh, it's okay to be Lil Bitty, a little hometown in a big old city. <laughs> <laughs> it's like definitely country pop drivel, and I Whoa. loved it. <laughs> Is there a direct line from that child to the person who now makes hip hop? Uh, no, <laughs> no, that song is so far from my influences. It's crazy. So what made you decide to want to make hip hop? Cause I mean, you're a comedian traditionally. That's yeah. how I think that's how I've known you for a long time. That's how people who've heard you on this show, particularly on sci-fi and trial would think of you. Yeah. I don't know. I think I see, I think I secretly have always wanted to make rap music. I think really, yeah. I think I I got really into Childish Gambino when I was like uh my senior year of high school. So it was like like uh he'd released probably like three mixtapes and then like a thing he was calling an album, but like he was just releasing it. So it's still a mixtape. Like yeah. there's no label or anything. Still very much a mixtape. <laughs> uh and I got really into him and he like was just funny. Funny was like most of his li- lyrics. And I was like, I think I could do this. This makes sense to me. Uh, and I just like got really obsessed. But I don't know, it just never seemed like an attainable thing. And I always felt a large amount of shame around the fact that I wanted to make rap music. Huh. Uh, what, and, what, what does the shame stem from? Um, I don't know. I think uh, partially uh, just from being like uh, the whitest person ever. Um <laughs> Uh, is is that shame like around cultural appropriation? N- uh, now, yes. Now, all of it's my like now shame. that you've said that, <laughs> N- yes. Uh, during this podcast, yeah. yes. <laughs> no, I would say now, yes, because now I uh, am actively involved in learning about uh, white supremacy and systemic oppression. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now that is how I would phrase it. I think, uh, his like uh, back then the shame would have been quantified as just like, uh, r- rap is cool and I am not cool. I see. So there's some shame in me being as uncool as I am, wanting to do this very cool thing. I gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, when we started working, you were like, you were really determined. Mm-hmm. But a little shy about it. Oh, yeah. It was a really interesting combination. I think I'm still both of those things. <laughs> You're like, I really want to do this, and I and I don't know anything about music. Like when when we first started, you didn't really know how to keep the beat when you were, uh-huh. you know, j- like the first time you put headphones on and tried to like flow into a microphone, you just lost it. Just completely. not even kind of close. Yeah, yeah. When I first started rapping, I started rapping alone. Uh, just to like learn the skill. I was reading this brain, this book about the brain and how you want more tea. Uh, yeah, I would love more tea. Um, that's was, what that peeing sound is in the background. Mm-hmm. folks. Also, I'm peeing into the tea. Um, <laughs> I read this brain book that, uh, it's called the brain that changes itself. If anyone is looking for a motivational book, that is also a book about the human brain. I recommend it. Uh, and it was just about, uh, how the human brain can pretty much, uh, even as an adult, retrain itself to do anything. Huh. Uh, and so, like, the examples they used were, like, this lady, uh, uh, like, literally couldn't balance. Like, her inner ear, there's, like, a couple little cylinders in there with full of fluid that, like, that's how you balance. And right, right, that right. part of her uh, ear was fucked up, so she couldn't balance. And then the scientists made 
like uh, essentially like a level that they like strapped to her tongue and then her tongue then started understanding that as the same mechanism as Whoa. the inner ear and so they're like see your brain doesn't need your brain just needs input it can do whatever but oh, then like wow what i got from the book was like uh uh, we all think of ourselves as like I am this type of person so like I'm like a math kid growing up I'm like good at math so everyone says you're a math kid and so I am a math kid but like you're not necessarily a math kid you probably just got praise in that direction at a young enough age that you started right. pursuing it so right. you invested more time and energy into it so you became like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. and so I've always been like I'm not a music person but I've always like loved music and so it was just me being like, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can learn to play music. Yeah. Uh, and so I started just freestyling alone at scratch. Uh, <laughs> you were telling me about how you do that for hours by yourself. Yeah. Sometimes like straight up 10 hours. There were nights wow. where I would look up and it had been 10 hours where I just like drank coffee and smoked pot. And like early on, it was literally me being like, I couldn't keep rhythm, so it was me going a boom, boom, bop, a boom, boom, bop, a boom, boom, bop, and then from there it was just saying syllables. It would just be like a flig de flu, 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 flig de flu, 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 and then then tried to do words and uh, yeah, escalated from there wow. until I was like, hey Jesse, will you make me rap beats? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that yeah. is how I started rapping. That's crazy. It, mm. it became like a really fun project to work on. I mean, we the Nickelback thing didn't really go anywhere. So we just started uh -uh. meeting up like once every week or two to just make up beats and see if anything kind of sparked your imagination. Yeah. Uh, and we made up probably like six or something. Yeah. Beats or, or I presented at least like six beats for you to be like between like six and like ten. yay or nay too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there was a bunch that we both really liked, but uh, one of them we kind of settled in on is the one that you felt the most mm -hmm. inspired by. Yeah. And then we just kind of put everything else down and worked on that for months mm -hmm. and then recorded a version of this song called Slippin' and Sippin', mm -hmm. which I will actually play right now in the podcast so people will know what we're talking about. Tight. Yo, Rap Game Degenerates, all right, 2016 or 2017, depending on how long the editing process takes. Tiny one. Got hella nitwits trying to nitpick Throwing his fits cause I spit sick Plus I got America's heart like a Fitbit If you worry what the shit is, this it? Uh, y'all be slipping and sipping on what cause dripping when I'm flippantly spitting These insipid inquisitions you insist in position you I am in position to take over the game like Bane Set it aflame, hot dang Game done changed again Got mangled by a mang look like Favorite book, probably manga God dang bruh, I am coming for you Harvey Danger, future head editor of The Stranger Y'all behind the times like a pager I'm a front pager Tiny wine, sipping tiny wine, it's a rager Marathon and Walker, Texas Ranger I'm an athlete, plus I'm a mathlete I'm a polymath Leave your body sweaty like a polygraph Leave your stomach spinning like a polyrath More 8th grade fans than the greatest of the Gatsby's Rap game, dear Abby Don't Instagram your texts if you ever win the Grammy Catch me Tony snagging for My Little Pony Reimagined Yo This seems like a weird place to do it But it's the only form I've had thus far Becker was pretty good Anyway 
it's the Green River Beacon I'm here to make these bars bloody like a damn meat Living in the white people capital of spiritual feet healers I need a priest, I got a spiritual weed dealer And we're back Yeah, <laughs> how'd y'all like it? Yeah, that was a good Give song, right? Give me your feedback Yeah, so that that's what we made, basically <laughs> mm-hmm. Out yeah. of all that time It's a good song I really like I it I listened to it recently and I was like, this is good, I'm into this Good yeah. job, us <laughs> It's got like... A, a really interesting intensity to it mm-hmm. and i mean it was really fun for me to like make up fun noises i love synthesizers i like you know having an excuse to yeah. make sounds that are a little outside of what i normally do yeah you were real into your synths at the time too oh, yeah you were watching stranger things i think and like yeah. literally every time we'd get together i'd be like what have you been listening to you like just like stranger things stuff <laughs> <laughs> just really into synths <laughs> yeah i was yeah totally did you see season two I don't. I've not watched any Stranger Things. Oh, okay. I watched uh, part of the pilot one time, and it was two a.m. and too scary, and so I yeah. turned it off, and I've not gone back to it. I think it's great. I really like it. I, wa- I watched season two in a day, like I was that guy. Yeah, and it, mostly because I was really ill that day and had no energy to do anything. I'm like, well, this worked out great. I'm yeah. watching Stranger Things. Yeah, and I fucking loved it. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I've only heard positive things. I have some instinctive resistance to it that I think is just just pure contrarian spirit. Yeah, just when you hear all these positive things, it makes you mm-hmm. want. Yeah, especially. Yeah. Uh, I also uh, am always. Mm, I'm always a little turned off by things that are based entirely in nostalgia. I like think that's huh. like a, a weird subculture then you're gonna right hate now. It. No, here's the thing. I think I would like it. It's like uh, because I'm also a human being. I like nostalgia. I'll get wrapped yeah. up into it in a in a second. Are you like a fan of '80s sci-fi, like Spielberg and? Maybe not, even some Stephen King sort of stuff. Not really, okay. but I think I would enjoy it anyway. Yeah, for me it was like, uh, oh my god, I've always loved E.T. so much, and they're just making more with like other people because it feels the same. It yeah. feels like a continuation of that world. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I have my my small issues with the show, but I mean, overall, I actually might have even liked season two more than season one. I mean, the, season one had this like intensity of oh my god we've got this new thing that's so cool and you could sense it from the show itself that the writers and everyone were so interested in it yeah uh and the actors and everything season two felt a little bit more polished and a little bit more like a normal tv show in a way that i found comforting um and i felt like i felt like it was just really solid storytelling across the board and that for some reason that satisfied me in this really in almost like a deeper way, because I'm like, these storytellers know what they're doing. This wasn't a fluke. Like, these are good storytellers. These are good actors. And this is something that I can, like, feel pretty comfortable and confident investing my time into from this point forward, because I really dig it. After season one, I really liked it, but I was like, I don't know if, I don't know if they can pull this off again. Like, this might just be a one-time thing. Yeah. But I'm I'm totally on board. Like, season two, I really enjoyed. Rad. And they lean... They lean into the nostalgia in somewhat fun ways, don't they? We're like they bring yeah. Sean Astin in, who is like yeah, and an Paul 80s Reiser. Icon. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> Paul totally. Reiser in it. He's in season two. That legitimately makes me want to watch it more. <laughs> in season two, they added Paul Reiser and Sean Astin, and it's like they reached into the eighties and pulled these That's men incredible. out for us to enjoy once more. <laughs> Man, the amount of Mad About You I watched as a kid is yeah, just days of it i watched a bunch of it i can't remember a single thing about not a single thing i don't remember a single thing besides Mm -mm. the fact that it was paul reiser and helen hunt Uh uh-huh and that i loved it yeah that's so interesting until you mentioned it uh yeah i don't think i can remember a single detail about the show other than that i loved it yeah i'm sure i watched it Mm -hmm. like i'm sure i watched a handful of episodes of the nanny but i don't remember a thing about what happened on either of those shows i just remember hating the nanny i remember the the animation at the beginning of the nanny being 
fun, and I hated the nanny. Yeah, Fran Drescher is like very purposefully annoying. But as a kid, I didn't get any of the charm of it. It was just like hmm. this motherfucker's annoying. I don't I, like. I don't this. even remember if I liked it or not. I, I hated it. Memories truly hated. Memories it. are rough. Uh huh. I also hated Golden Girls though, which I hear oh. is like an incredible TV show. I just so, started like, watching that recently. I, I never really watched it as a kid. I mean, yeah. as like a as like a twelve year old boy, I'm like this this show about four older women didn't like spark my interest and i'm right. really regretful of that because 100 it is so funny yeah it's, like the writing is so sharp and mitch Hurwitz, who went on to create arrested development like came up in that show is that true yeah i, I watched an episode Hurwitz that he wrote that. recently huh and, not in that but it was, was so funny room. and you can like see his sense of humor in it i i was i'm so into it recently that's rad yeah like uh andy and i just did a little staycation because she was um she was in the play Ragtime at the Fifth Avenue Theater. Okay. And when it was over, she and I like got a hotel stay for a couple days. Um, Hell yeah. Dude, staycations are the best. Yeah, just to like have fun. We watched a, a shit ton of Golden Girls. Hell yeah. We also watched some Antiques Roadshow. Dude, Antiques Roadshow really is good. great. I love really Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> Antiques really Roadshow is like the original... Uh, version of all those shows on HGTV that are like American uh-huh. pickers and stuff where it's just like yeah look at this old look at and even storage wars stuff. which mm-hmm. I adore I haven't, I haven't really watched it but uh, it's yeah it's, it's up great. my alley it's I would so love good. it yeah Anything... speaking of TV though so one night when you were over and we were working on hip hop we we often like just smoke weed and talk about shit yeah yeah, yeah. and then one an night important part of being a creative person yeah one night for some reason i convinced you that we needed to watch an episode of star trek the next generation yeah i forgot that you got me to watch i think we watched two well i know for sure we watched uh the episode called where silence has lease where you have that uh like the enterprise gets stuck in this void mm-hmm. and there's this like creature named nagilum who lives there mm-hmm. that is testing them is that the one that starts with Worf? doing the training thing with Riker. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, we, afterwards you were like so into it and I was so it was proud of myself. So good. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, yeah. So after, I think after that, I, I just Googled top 20 TNG episodes. Yeah. And I just started working my way through. I think I made it through probably like 10. Uh, that is not an indictment of the show that I stopped watching every, there are so many wonderful pieces of media that I just like. Totally. I just uh, I just lose if I'm not in a ritual of watching it it's not going to get watched yeah and I think uh you know for you've never you'd never watched Star Trek at all right I had but I was a kid okay. um and it was like definitely colored by being a kid and like who I watched it with it was like kind of lame in my head because I watched it with like f- friends who I later were like what a lame-o <laughs> oh no you were that guy <laughs> yeah as a real jerk I'm a real piece of shit now you were the guy back, that I was afraid of in elementary school uh-huh, and you were correct to be so I was a snake man that's <laughs> not to be trusted <laughs> yeah now when I look back I'm like those kids were cool and had a sense of self that I did not have interesting they were like yeah I like this thing and then yeah. I was like fucking nerds <laughs> yeah oh my god I was so that kid in elementary school it's like oh my god I love Star Trek so much can we yeah. talk about it yeah. and I went to a, a Star Wars elementary school where it was cool to like Star Wars Mm-hmm. But it was not cool to like Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, George Lucas Elementary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like really on my own on that one. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't know. Something about that just like hardened my love of that show into like this yeah, thing dude. that's lasted until today. I just love that fucking show. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's cool to just like dip your toes into a show like that that's a cultur- cultural touchstone that you like may not know that much about, you know, just yeah. to like 
get a sampling of it i think is cool even yeah. if it's not something you continue with yeah it was like uh it did some things that i was like oh this is now a thing that i want out of my media like what uh uh it is profoundly positive in a way that i didn't know it was also it also made me dislike the new movies hmm. the new movies uh i liked i was like oh yeah i lo- i really liked the first one the second two, I think, are kind of bad. But, like, I really liked the first one. And watching TNG made me dislike the first one. Because I was like, it's not Star Trek. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, that's... You're talking about the J.J. Abrams trilogy. Mm-hmm. That is the complaint that's levied against those movies a lot. Is that it's not Star Trek because it doesn't have that sense of a positive future. Or it doesn't, like, talk about the moral issues that we are used to examining in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I actually... I mean, I really liked the first one a lot. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it captured the sense of friendship and exploration really well, even though it didn't really catch the sense of morality as well. Yeah. The second one, I feel like tried to do that in a completely back backwards way and completely missed the point of itself. Did it? Uh, it tried to catch morality. I don't remember it doing so. It was trying to talk about terrorism a little bit, uh, but uh, okay. I the problem with that is that they they decided to use Khan Nooney and Singh as their villain. Yeah. Khan is a villain from the original series who was also in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. uh, where the actual actor came back like decades later to reprise a role from one episode of TV from the 60s, That's like in the cool. 80s. That's yeah. very cool. I didn't know that. And it's, I mean, you should, I, I recommend watching Space Seed, the original uh, series episode that has Khan in it, and then watching Wrath of Khan. Okay. Because I, did, I watched Wrath of Khan as a kid, like the first time I saw it, and I didn't quite get it. And then yeah. I watched the original series and, and watched Wrath of Khan again. I was like, fucking A, this is brilliant. Like, Rad. It's a, it's a movie about aging. And it's if you see those characters younger and the actors younger and the physicality of them being younger yeah. as the context of this movie about aging, it makes everything like work Rad. in a way that I didn't understand when I was like 14 or something the first time I watched those movies. That makes sense. Yeah. But the third one, uh, I really enjoyed, but it also only kind of had that sense of family that I really come to... That's the, from mo- Star the Trek. third one's the most recent one, right? Yeah, Star Trek with Beyond. The, with the Beastie Boys song. Yeah. And tight. I love that scene. Yeah, that scene's real good. Yeah. I, I felt like it was like, uh, that movie, I, I went and saw it in theaters, and I was like, man, this is the most average thing I've ever watched. <laughs> like, it's not bad. I'm into it, but like... I think for me, if Star Trek isn't actively bad, I'm going to be a happy camper. That's fair. And I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it yeah. was super fun. Um... I don't know, just like a fun space adventure. I was like super yeah. on board. Yeah, but it's interesting that fair. after ten episodes of TNG, you were able to you were able to pinpoint the fact that they're not necessarily what Star Trek is about. Yeah. Oh, I, within two episodes, the, when you showed me uh, the the place where silence has lease, the space where silence uh, has lease, where silence has lease, just where silence has lease. Yeah, just where silence well, has lease. Well, that definitely is more poetic. So that yeah. makes sense that that's the name. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and that's I'm definitely calling this episode where silence has least cool for sure uh, and it's just you just cut out all of us talking it's just an hour of silence <laughs> <laughs> and then at the very end it's us saying where silence has least like 15 times uh-huh, like yeah. we just did and that's it that's the whole episode um yeah the reason that I was so into it after you showed me that episode was because immediately I was like oh shit this is a thing that I haven't seen in media because I think our media right now is really obsessed with darkness and like the darker aspects of human nature and Mm -hmm. like uh yeah just i think we're very obsessed with darkness right now in a storytelling way like think of like what the best shows have been over the last 15 years totally breaking bad 
A hundred percent. It starts with Sopranos, which Sopranos, is like totally. breaking down uh, morality or like the walls between good and evil in a very yeah. specific way, which is like wonderful and good. Uh, and yeah. then Breaking Bad does it further. Walking Dead. Uh, yeah, just like uh, every Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Even our comedy. I um, love all of these shows, but, but I love there is so like much. this huge uh, undercurrent of negativity. Yeah. Uh, and, negativity and like lack of valuing things. Yeah, like this like blase destruction of whatever's around you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, without um, any regard to what you're doing. Yeah, and I like I don't know I'm uh, I like like all of those things. Yeah, but me too. <laughs> I definitely am fulfilled by. Uh, I don't know, man. I think sometimes art. Uh, I think art should have what life lacks, and I think life has a lot of horrible darkness in it. And so, mm-hmm. like, uh, I like my art sometimes to just like be beacons of hope i think that totally. is like one of the highest purposes art can fulfill is to be a beacon of hope and like uh goodness in the world um and i'm like 100 percent all about that for sure yeah uh and yeah and so when i was watching when you showed me tng i just got some of that feeling and was like oh this is a thing worth watching and then i watched like 10 episodes and they were good but there were like some storytelling things that now were past and so i was like even though that feeling is there uh, n- now my brain is like, because storytelling is so good and nuanced now, I was like, mm. but I'm, I'm now I'm missing this part of it a little bit from Star Trek. Gotcha. Uh, Did you get into season three? I think so. Cool. I think I made it through, I think I was in four or five. When oh, I nice. Off. Yeah. There's like a couple of, there's like a handful of episodes that I think you would just adore. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm like working my way through my rewatch that i started when i started this podcast like episode one was on yeah star trek next generation and yeah. then episode 100 will be on season seven actually this episode is going to come out after that because i have to make sure that episode 100 is about season cool seven. that's fair <laughs> um but so i've been rewatching the show that whole time just kind yeah. of interspersed with everything else that i've been watching on tv and shit yeah like that. uh and there are a lot of clunky episodes you know the show i think it's clunkier than i gave it credit for yeah. Like rewatching it as an adult with my modern sensibilities. Yeah. But there are so many episodes that are like perfect. And, yeah. And you kind of, it's one of those shows where, you know, the, the ratio of perfection to like duds. I mean, there's like a, a fair amount of perfection, a fair amount of like really, really, really bad shit. And then most of it's kind of in the middle. Yeah. But I think when it reaches a high, it's just like so intensely good yeah. in a way that's so kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. And then every single episode has some sort of thing that I take from as being a beacon of hope. Right. And that's a terrible sentence construction, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah like yeah. every episode has something like that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It felt, uh, when I was like, uh, yeah, I definitely would, uh, I would not say that I have like really any criticisms for the show. It was just that like, uh, I now love, 10 episode perfectly crafted stories and right, i and i right. was like uh skipping through and getting wonderful 40 minutes of television that is like oh like like a truly wonderful self-contained story mm-hmm. uh and it was i just was uh i was watching it at a time when that was not what i was after i was like mm, i want to watch a full 10 episodes perfectly gotcha. crafted yeah uh, i mean star trek's very episodic yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i just wasn't yeah. in the headspace for it I, totally. I i think i will probably finish the list of the top 20 episodes because yeah, they were so good. That one, 
it's like early on i think it might be the first time someone dies in tng to like the like goo monster yeah 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 skin uh, of evil yeah that episode was fucking hot fire and i like got very emotionally wrapped up in it wow i uh, really like that one a lot it gets a really bad rap in fan circles oh really yeah i loved it i, I like, really like loved it. it i think the idea of armis this creature of hatred is really interesting mm-hmm. where he's literally made up of the bad emotions of this species that like found a way to get rid of their negative impulses and they put it all into this body yeah uh, and it's just black goo yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, spoiler alert for Star Trek Next Generation, that is the episode where Tashiar is killed. And yeah. uh, I think that the fan outcry is a- around the fact that she was a main character. Star Trek had never killed a main character at that point. Well, no, I, yeah, I can't remember if uh, Star Trek 2 happened before, 3 happened before. Um, they'd never killed a main character in a way where they were actually dead, is what yeah. I mean to say. <laughs> yeah. And we're like leaving the show. Yeah. Uh, and... They did it very unceremoniously. It's like she was just came out of nowhere. Yeah, she's just like, well, I'm, I'm, this is, this is bullshit. I'm, we're gonna, like, go around this guy and like, fuck this. I'm going to get, save Deanna Troy, and then, and then, it's like, boom, she's dead. And he snaps his fingers, and she's dead. Mm-hmm. And it's really like a shock. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people thought that it was, um, kind of a improper send off for that character. But for me, it's like oh, it felt a vital so- moment in the life of the show. I it's just like so. It just for me, that's the only way to do it. You know, if you're out there exploring space and it's so dangerous all the time, people aren't gonna die like in epic ways. They're gonna die from that thing that you didn't expect, that like yeah. accident that came around the corner, and just like poof, you're dead. You know, because yeah. you don't know what you're walking into. I also like that, and I don't remember the details of it super well, but I feel like I remember. Uh, feeling like she was very much in the middle of some shit when she died. Like she was like she yeah. had other. It wasn't like her life had wrapped itself up neatly with Not a bow, and then Not she died. It was like yeah. she like was like yeah, and then later this afternoon I'm gonna go get such and such, and I have to do such and such, and then she just dies, and she yeah. doesn't get to do any of that. And that's how life works. It's like yeah. you don't get to wrap everything up before you're you're gone. Uh, yeah. And I thought that was like, I remember thinking that was interesting. I don't remember how the funeral scene happens, but I remember being very touched by it. Yeah, they have a hologram that, like, I guess everybody in Starfleet, you know, records their last message to people in a hologram it's just in case they're sweet. killed in the line of duty yeah i really like uh, that or that's just something that some people might do i guess and she yeah. had done that and they get they go on this grassy hill and watch that in the holodeck at the end of the episode mm-hmm. so she dies randomly in the middle and then you get this really nice funeral scene at the end and kind of get to get to have some sort of sense of sh- like wrapping it up with that character and she is actually gone and actually dead yeah um, and it's really i mean it's really touching yeah i think and it's a wonderful moment for Data to talk to Picard about the nature of humanity. Because that's something I love about that show is, you know, Picard being this incredible philosopher and Data knowing nothing and ne- and having philosophical questions and needing someone to talk to and get guidance from. And that ended up and that ending up being the captain in most situations. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. Picard's hot fire. Yeah. Uh, that was another part that I loved about the show was I was like... Uh, another like beacon of hope so to speak is i don't know it's uh picard is like the ideal leader and it's cool to see an ideal leader uh yeah it's, it's like a beautiful thing to watch this person care so much about everyone who is uh uh who he's in charge of and like uh do the best he can and usually that's very good like he does the best he can and usually that's a, like he does good uh yeah. 
I think so much storytelling is about people trying to do good and failing. And it's just like, he nails it. He just yeah. is consistently like, yeah, this is what we should do. And then it's the right answer. And that's like a thing that I don't get from any of my other media right now that I liked. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite parts of the show. Just yeah. like having a, a role model that you can actually look up to in like the most positive way imaginable, mm-hmm. where his decisions are always weighed with other people's opinions yeah people that he trusts in, in the crew yeah and they're always bound by the prime directive and uh and he almost always comes up with something that i agree with you know yeah in like a really deep way where i'm like wow that's the right thing to do like yeah. you're you're acting in this like really noble way yeah and it's really cool and i i think that's why i'm always a picard versus kirk guy because kirk is kind of like acting out of instinct and yeah. his instincts are usually right Right. And I think that's a really cool way to to lead. Yeah. But I really like that Picard acts out of measured thought. Yeah. And I I think that his decisions are in general a little bit more solid than Kirk's. Yeah. So it's it's I it's such a cool it's such a cool thing to grow up on, you know. Yeah. Get yeah. that sense of like morality pounded into me. Yeah. Yeah, I w- uh yeah, it definitely made me be like I wish I would have known what I was watching when I was younger. I bet like I wish I would have known this was a thing to pay attention to and value. You could have been a nerd like us. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> Instead I was my own type of nerd playing World of Warcraft constantly. I mean, that's a very solid type of nerd. Yeah. I lived with a, a Warcraft guy for a while and like yeah. he would just go in his room and not come out. Oh, it's great. It's great. I have no regrets of my years of World of Warcraft. I think yeah. they were a wonderful investment in, in time. I had so much fun. That's so int- I get. Uh, I played the Star Wars Old Republic MMO for a while. Okay. Um, and I got really sucked into it and put in like probably like hundreds of hours. Yeah. Over a course of like four or five months or something like that. Yeah. And I was feeling this amazing sense of progress. You know, like I'm doing this thing and I'm making progress. And right. It feels so good. And then I got to around level 25 and I'm like, this is empty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't real and I have to get out. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I stopped playing and I never looked back. I, yeah. I had this like panic attack about it and I had to stop. I just walked away from it entirely. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. You were already like a fully grown adult person though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, see I did it in high school when like the alternative is I would have done more drugs and gone to more parties. <laughs> and like I'm like, yeah, no, I'm pretty grateful I didn't do that. See, in high school, I was the kid who was like, well, I'd rather go home and watch Star Trek Next Generation. That's fair. And I did a lot. Yeah. Like I'd be, I, I have, you know, I have like some, I'm a very outgoing social person, but I do have very specific social anxieties. Yeah. And when I was younger, in particular, like going to bars, being around people who were drinking was one of them. Yeah. And oftentimes I would prefer to just go home and watch Star Trek. And I remember specifically leaving parties on several occasions to go home and watch Star Trek and having a better time once I got home. A hundred percent. I was, uh, I would, my version of that was that me, I was like friends with kids who were much cooler than me, uh, who Mm. also played World of Warcraft. And I would go to their house, we'd be playing World of Warcraft and then be like, we should go to so and like so and so invite us over. We should go to there, and I'd be like, "Man, the only reason to go out, uh, like, is it's not to make new guy friends. You guys are my guy friends. I already have guy friends. Guy friends covered. <laughs> so it's to meet girls. And if I go <laughs> to a place with you two, all the girls are gonna talk to you guys because you all are cool as hell, and I look twelve. So wow. I was like, I see no value in leaving. I want to <laughs> stay here and play World of Warcraft." And I think we each won about 50% of the time. About 50% wow. of the time, I'd go to a party that I hated. 
And about 50% <laughs> of the time, they'd be like, yeah, we can just hang out and play Warcraft. And I'm like, thank you. This is what I'm after. The most important question did you ever meet any girls at those parties? No, I looked twelve. <laughs> the girls were cur- girls when I were young. Was younger, uh, for the most part. The ones who I was interested in were not interested in me, and I think yeah. they were correct to not be. I yeah. think I looked crazy young, and I think I was also probably a bit of a misogynistic creep. I think I was probably really? a creep and a bit of a jerk. So uh, I think correctly, no. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. <laughs> So in what in what way were you a misogynistic creep as a kid? I don't know, man. The way that anyone who was raised on eighties movies and, oh, say, yeah. and romantic comedies uh, and thinks that's how you talk to that's how you talk and meet women. Yeah, I think that that stuff is damaging. I, I think it's horrible. Yeah, I think that uh, I don't know. I talked about this recently. I watched the movie Riddick. Have you seen that? Is that the... The third in the Pitch Black series of Vin Diesel? Which, uh, maybe. I'm, I've am i seen two of the three. I don't really remember which one's which. Okay. The third one in particular was, like, really misogynistic. And it yeah. was kind of glorified misogyny. Yeah. In a way that really bothered me because I think that, you know, young boys watch that and think that that's a way to act. And I yeah. think that that's how a lot of our, you know, that's how a lot of the oppression of women is perpetuated. Yeah. And I think it's gross. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I grew up in a super Irish Catholic family that didn't talk about uh, sex or feelings, uh, and that, so then I had to learn about both of those things from somewhere. And the places that I chose were romantic comedies and the show Scrubs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and at the time, I remember being like, Scrubs is like a wholesome moral thing. And now when I watch it, I'm like, Zach Braff is a piece of shit. He's like. A bad, kind of a bad dude. Uh, hmm. I haven't seen that in so long. I watched a lot of it. It's like he's just kind of a piece of shit. If you had a friend who was Zach Braff in that show, uh, you'd be like, you need to treat people better, man. You're like, <laughs> you're a mean person. <laughs> wow, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him being an awkward, yeah, uncomfortable person, but I don't remember him being mean. But I haven't seen it in so long, and I think about the world so differently now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> what other, uh, I know you're, what other sci-fi are you into? I know you're into, I, you love Fury Road. I remember you telling me that. Oh, once. I loved Fury Road. But like, I don't know. I've never been like, uh, sci-fi has never been like uh, an obsessive, an obsessive point for me. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like a very obsessive nerdy person, but it's always about like one thing at a time. So like when I played World of Warcraft, I could have told you the lore of everything uh, i could have yeah. i could have rattled off like 30 pages on th- how the world was built uh Whoa. who how orcs came from drain blah 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 i could uh talk what, about what else have shit. you been obsessive about uh so like now it's music so like in my adult life it's been i i will learn every word to a rap album and like uh and i'll learn then I'll go back through if like once I'm that obsessive with one album, then I have to go through that artist's entire discography and just like I'll learn everything about every song they've ever made. Wow. Um, or like uh like podcasts for a long time. I would like just re-listen to uh, interviews with people who I loved to like try and glean literally every little piece of information from it. Huh. Uh, on how to live. Uh, I at one point had. Uh, 40 days of podcasts on my computer and I'd listen to all of them twice and this was like 
maybe two years into listening to podcasts. So that's like 80 days over 700 days that are just podcast listening. Wow. Yeah. It seems like you you get things in your head that you have to that you can't excise unless you like dive into it a thousand percent. Yeah, I'm a real tunnel vision person. I, when I was growing up, I thought I like didn't have focus, and now when I look back, I'm like, no, I just was focused on one shit. Thing yeah, shit that other people didn't want me focusing on. Yeah, and it was comedy for a while. Yeah, yeah, yes, and no. Uh, so like. I was very obsessive with stand-up because I decided I was going to be a stand-up comedian. Uh And it was like the first time I defined myself was I was like 18 and I did a talent show and I essentially did stand-up and was like, well, that was fun. And then I saw the movie uh, Funny People, which is about being able to, or like about making it as a stand-up comedian. Uh And then I was like, oh shit, that's a job you can do. So then I just started telling everyone like, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. That's like the thing I'm going to do. And so then I became obsessive with it, both because I did have a genuine passion for it, but also because it was the thing I decided to define myself as. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think, I think if I'm being honest, I don't think I had the active passion tunnel vision for comedy. Wow. Uh, for the past, probably like the last like year and a half to two years I did it, I think. Really? Wow. Yeah, I think I had it early on, but like probably only for the first two years. And after that, it was more like me just not wanting to appear like a quitter. So are you? do you not consider yourself a comedian anymore? Uh, I don't know. Not at the I, moment. I know you're still like writing sketches and filming stuff with yeah. DeRozier. Yeah, so like I like still like comedy stuff, but like stand-up stopped being like a thing that held all that much value for me at uh-huh. the moment. But, like, I don't know. I think if I were fortunate enough to, like, get a successful career as an artist, uh, I could see myself in my 40s or, like, late 30s being like, yeah, I do stand-up, but I do it entirely on my terms. I have this Hmm. one show a month that you come to in my city. I'm not coming to you. I'm doing it here. If you guys are in town, come out. But, like, it's on my terms. Uh, Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I define myself as, like, a comedian. I don't think that's how I would introduce myself. I would never be like, oh, how, I'm a comedian. How would you introduce yourself now? Uh, uh, I, I usually, I don't know. Uh, I guess I never go like, I'm a hip hop artist or like, I'm, I, I'm a musician. I just say like, oh yeah, I, I make music and I write. And then if they say, oh, what do you make? And then I bashfully go, I make rap music. It's good though. Like I'm embarrassed by it, but it is good. <laughs> Are you embarrassed by it? Yeah. I'm embarrassed by everything I do earnestly at all times. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah the catholic shame deep inside me i go i go in and out of that like there's sometimes i'm like god this is my podcast is so good and then other times i'm like this is so self-indulgent and i don't think anyone else cares you know yeah 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 i don't think my shame is based in anything other than just instincts oftentimes Hmm. i think i just am a shame-based individual yeah i'm like a little ashamed of everything is that is that catholic guilt I mean, I'm Jewish. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I always call it Catholic guilt. I don't know if it is or not, but I think so. Yeah. We definitely have a a shame-based society, and I feel it less so in Seattle than I did in San Diego, but, you know, instead of, like, supporting people for for their passions, we have a society about, like, segregating people based on their passions. What do you mean? Well, like, you know, making fun of people for liking Star Trek and, you know, like, as a kid, like, that's what you're told to do. Uh, You're told to make fun of nerds i mean i heard that a lot 
Um, yeah. It's very Do you divisive. think that's a society thing? I just sort of assume that it's human. I, uh, I don't know why I assume this, but I think I always thought it was human nature that it's easiest to define your in-group by the boundaries, if that makes sense. So, like... Uh, I think there's definitely an element of, of that. I think that there is a, a negative aspect of human nature that has become a societal norm. Okay. But I think that there are many aspects of human nature and that we choose what we show to the world. Which ones are prioritized. Yeah, we choose. We can choose which ones we want to value as a culture. I mean, there. you know, we live in a very divisive time where there are a lot of people who are very racist and feel like they can talk about it uh, with impunity because Donald Trump kind of said some things that supported them, you know? Right. I mean, like, white nationalists love Donald Trump uh, because he... He he would go to, like, rallies and shit like that where people... He kind of said things that made it sound like he supported the white nationalist movement on many occasions. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it's really disturbing to me that that this group built on hatred has become this, like, societal, you know, hub of things that are very loud right now. Whereas it seemed before that, like, things were going in a more progressive direction where, um, you know, people... Like, taking people at face value based off of who they are versus like what you expect them to be or what box you put them in seemed to be the direction that we were going as a culture, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I just think, uh, I don't know. I think it's not like all these people didn't exist before. I think they just have the microphone right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. I I think think that there was a bit of a wake up call for all of us liberals to be like, oh, this is happening in the world. Yeah. 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 And like, it's weird because I grew up, like I said, in rural America where like, I don't know, like I had several friends, like like friends of mine who had like Confederate flags on their trucks and I never thought twice about it. I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's a country thing, which like wow. now I'm like, so that's a crazy thought now. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh yeah, so I'm always a little confused. Uh, I'm always weirded out by my friends who grew up somewhere that's liberal. How uh, how surprised they are that like racism is real, and I'm like, what? Did you not? What? How did you think it was gone? Because I just grew up around people like the N word was tossed around relatively flippantly. Wow. Uh, and yeah, that's like astounding now. Now I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, but uh. Yeah, I don't think it was ever gone. I think they just have the microphone right now. Um, yeah. I think in some specific ways, I think... Uh, uh, there's there's an argument to be made that it's, like, good for uh, uh, all of us who like to imagine that we were in more progressive times to have, like, a harsh wake-up call of, like, you are not. Yeah. Uh, although it is only good if people actually take action, and I think there there's been... I think that's happening. I mean, the the election that just happened last week. Yeah. You know, a lot of progressive things happened. And yeah. It was, I took a lot of... Uh, it was very heartening for me. I agree. I felt similarly. I uh, I, I still get a, a, a bit of a sense of, like, uh, apathy from, uh, from, I would say, my friend group, uh, my, like, larger social circle of, like... I think all of us are just like hoping in the right direction, but like very few people I know are like doing physical work that I think needs to be done. Myself mm. included. I think I am very much a part of this problem. I think I consistently go, Oh, I should be working on this cause with like some amount of my time. And then 
every every week i just don't quite have the gumption to do it it's like working out it's like i know i should work out every day but like when i'm not in a habit of doing it i'm not doing it and i think i feel similarly about myself and most people i know in terms of political action as we all see that some shit is broken and we should be doing more but very few people are like actually doing more beyond like posting on social media being like we should do more which is like technically a contribution i guess but feels pretty hollow for me i you know i i totally agree and i sometimes i feel a little overwhelmed by the lack of knowledge about what i can even do but what i've decided to do is just make art that i think is hopeful and have conversations about you know the good parts of humanity and like that that's why i a big part of why i started this show is because i wanted to talk about how much i love the fact that science fiction oftentimes shows you a a positive way forward yeah and i i mean i people probably get sick of me harping on about that how much i want the star trek future to happen and how like we can make that decision as a culture to to live an optimistic future if we wanted to yeah for me it, it it weighs or lift some of the existential weight of feeling like I need to do something just making this podcast. Right. And I, I don't know. I mean, like now that I'm game streaming and reaching a larger audience in that platform than I am here, it's actually really hard to talk about anything racial in that environment or, or anything progressive in that environment because there's a, there's so much racism. It's crazy. Like yeah. I've, I've, I was telling you a little bit about this before we started recording, but I've had some horrible things said to me, yeah. uh, from people coming into my chat on while I'm game streaming. Yeah. And uh, like we ban those people and you know, I have great moderators and my, I'm trying to, like you actually have to build a community when you do this of, and make rules and say like, what's okay and what's not. And it allows me the opportunity to kind of shape something that is as positive as I can make it while still giving everyone the freedom to say whatever they want to say. Yeah. Uh, Which is really interesting. You know, I mean, I'm not, I can't, I can't talk about, that this stuff as much because it flies out of control i've we i've tried like once or twice and it got really it got it got intense quickly in a way that is not appropriate for playing mario on the internet you know what i'm saying (laughs) uh but like i can talk about things explicitly on this podcast and then i can you know shape a positive environment while doing that and and that feels really good to me and i feel like you're kind of similar where you're talking about making art that's like a beacon of hope yeah yeah and i I like you put political stuff all over your raps that i've heard so far yeah yeah and i don't know i think i i uh i think i do the same thing where i'm like well i'm making the art that i'm making like uh the cog that i've decided to be in the societal machine is like a an art cog yeah and and so like what i'll do is i'll make art that i think is is in headed in the right direction oh shit i gave Um, you very little tea that is totally fine uh thank you (laughs) i was not an even poor oh my god i don't even need this (laughs) um yeah i don't know but uh i would say that a uh yes i've come to similar conclusions and i feel like i do something similar where i'm like well if this is the thing i'm doing i'm gonna make it the most uh like I will lean into uh, thinking and discussing politics in the creation of my art, or like trying to uh, trying to move in a, just a more progressive uh, direction in my art. Uh, and sometimes that feels like enough, and then other times I 
think that there that that might just be what I'm telling myself to make myself feel okay with what I'm currently doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I um, think I think it's powerful. I like when I am the most moved by by media to do something. Uh, well, let me let me say that a different way. I I have been the most moved to do something based off of things like Star Trek. Right. Uh, I I've been the most inspired about the future of humanity through Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, like there's. There's countless things that I watch where I feel this incredible sense of, you know, community and empathy. And I feel like I learn about how to present myself in the best way to the world in the most positive way. A, a lot of things can be gleaned and learned through media. Yeah. And I think it's really powerful. And I think if, if you have something to say that and you find... Like, for me, it's all about finding the best way to say it so I can reach the most people. And I think if I had any any message to give, it would be you know, have empathy for those around you. And um, like for me, writing a song like Elliot, uh, which is about E.T., that movie is all about reaching out your empathy to something you don't understand. And it's such a beautiful message. And I tried to capture that into a song because I wanted people to feel it again, you know? Yeah. Uh, And I that to me felt feels like really powerful. And whether or not it is, who knows? But I don't know. I mean, I, I would just... I think that you are good at that. I think that that's something that you have a skill for. And like, I think that you're also somebody who's very analytical and is always looking at what they're doing and trying to improve it. And I think that if you have that message inside of it, you're only going to be able to make it clearer and clearer. And hopefully you'll have a bigger and bigger audience as time goes along. To But isn't that, to me, that feels like the gamble that all of my friends who are artists who think this way are taking is we're all going, well, once I have a bigger once I have a bigger audience, then that will be the ends that justify my means. That's not what I was going to say. What, uh, what I was going to say is once you have a bigger audience, you're spreading that message to more and more people. I think that just making it and putting it out there is has to be enough. I think that has to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm taking uh, the opposite side because we're having this discussion. Okay, no, I yeah, don't fully me. necessarily believe this because I talk about this with my therapist all the time and I go in circles. Yeah. Uh, this is fa- this is something that I think about a lot. And I've actually come to some really nice calming conclusions about. Yeah. I I, I don't know. So. Uh, I guess I just sometimes go. Let's do stand up uh, as the community that I'm that I'm going to use because it's the example I use most often. Sure, there are at any given moment roughly a hundred people doing stand up uh, in Seattle, like open mics five nights a week, which involves standing around for three hours to do three minutes of stage time. Yeah, and I would say seventy percent of those, especially in Seattle, are like politically minded individuals who like try and loop that into their art to some degree or another okay uh and that is like how their time is spent which uh is great and i was very much one of those people uh i am now still doing that just not with stand-up it's just now uh my own my other art that i'm doing the same thing with though every day i spend x number of hours invested in doing this thing and sometimes i go cool but right now, when it sometimes feels like the world is ending, uh-huh. don't you think there's an argument to be made that a hundred people giving 30 hours a week to a thing could do 30 hours a week of getting people registered to vote or like fighting the way that gerrymandering works? Or like, it just feels like there's a lot. Uh, it feels like everyone is trying to drive right now and no one is putting their foot on the gas. 
Like I hear you. There has to you. be physical things that happen as well. Uh, and I just think I worry that because I'm in such a position of privilege, I get to talk myself out of doing the dirty work and I get to be like a little highfalutin about like, well, but like the the thoughts and the, the concepts I'm putting out into the world in and of themselves are enough. And I worry that that's not true. I worry that in 10 years I'm going to look back and be like, like if shit goes truly uh, awry which it doesn't feel nearly as much like it's going to now that that most recent election for whatever reason did chill me out quite a bit but yeah. like right after trump got elected when like i don't know about you but everyone i knew and myself included sort of felt like there was a, de- a much higher chance of the world ending in the foreseeable <laughs> future than there had been for our life up until that moment yeah uh i feel in, that uh if that were to come true, I think I'd be upset with myself for, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't. I sometimes think I'd be upset with myself for not making a more concerted physical effort to change how the world is structured. And I also sometimes go, maybe it will feel so big uh, and out of my control that I'll just be glad I spent the time in a way that I enjoyed myself. Uh, yeah. uh, and I don't, I don't have conclusions. I just feel both of those things 100%. Yeah, no, I I'm I totally hear everything you're saying, and I think all of that is like 100 percent valid. I think that uh, wh- when I fall into rabbit holes of thinking along those lines, it really stresses me out. Yeah, uh, but then I always come up against this wall of like, well, then what do I do? You know? Yeah. And I've done some things that felt like they maybe helped. Like I've written a couple letters like postcards to senators. Like my friend Sarah had a party where we just all got together and wrote postcards to senators. Yeah. Um, and I think voting is, is crucial. Yeah. Um, because I think voting is like everyone taking individual responsibility for the type of country that you want to live in. And I think that it's, it feels like your vote doesn't matter, but if you are friends with 30 people and you all have relatively similar, uh, you know, political leanings, that's like 30 votes might matter a little bit more than one vote. And if you, and you have to be a part of that group. Yeah. Otherwise Especially that group can't local. exist. I don't yeah. know. Uh, this is like related, but uh, uh, I just was looking at the Everett results and the Everett mayor was decided by 50 votes. It was really? a 49 vote difference. And I was oh like, that's God. huge. If 50 people were, if 50 extra people came out for the losing candidate, that candidate is mayor. Uh, yeah. That's, that's like that's like uh the most visible version of like your vote mattering that I've that I've seen. That's really interesting. Uh. Yeah, I mean for me personally, I feel like the system itself is just broken. I mean, I it's hard for me to get behind a politician in a system that I think is broken, if that makes sense. Like as much as I I mean, I voted for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But I did so because it felt like the lesser of two evils. And I like I like Hillary as a candidate just fine. Yeah. But I was inspired by Barack Obama and I like was that's the type of person that I want to lead me, you right. know? Right. Uh and I did not I didn't feel inspired by Hillary, but I did feel like we'd be in pretty good hands with her. Yeah. Um but it's also hard for me to say like yeah, this is a person that I would get behind like Captain Picard. This is the type of leader I want. Right. Um, so what feels better to me personally, because I have a bunch of platforms, is to talk about, you know, the best of humanity, like the best of leadership and that kind of thing, because that to me feels like it might give someone hope. And that feels like the most valuable contribution that I can make. 
Yeah. Uh, just because of my own personal belief structure and the fact that I question the system so much and I wouldn't even know how to go about fixing that. Yeah. I, I would have had to have, you know, been a political scientist or something like that. But I, I do see uh, problems and I think that they're all, a lot of them revolve around fear and lack of empathy. Yeah. And if I can, if I can talk about, you know, like love for people based off of who they are and not how they were born or how they look or what they are, but who right. they are. Um, and knowing that like every single human being is, is, is equal, you know, like all people are equal. Everyone in their own mind is a person, you know, the, right. If you are a person in your own mind and you think that that's valuable, then you have to concede that everyone else is that also. Right. Like, it can't be possible that... Like, you've never been someone else, you know? Right. That other person is going to feel as much like a person as you feel like a person. Right. And to to say that anyone else is not as much of a person is crazy. Like, that, yeah. that, that is just a backwards way of thinking that is built out of fear and built out of, uh, you know, a long history of... Um, people being treated poorly yeah, in ways that are extremely unfortunate and unfair and don't reflect well upon us as a culture. Um, so I just want to be like a part of the wave that goes in a positive direction. And I feel like just just being a part of that in, in a way that is public is valuable. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that like going to donate your time to political causes you believe in is a wonderful solution. I have friends that do that. Yeah. I think going to rallies for something you believe in is a great solution i i know friends that do that also yeah um i think that if you can find something that gives you any sense of of a pressure release valve in that way then that has to be positive and that has to be a way that you can ride that wave yeah towards something that you want better and i i think that's super worthwhile and i as to the i as to the question of like is it is it making a difference i think that uh because of the internet it's a lot easier to reach people than it used to be, but there's also so much background noise. So reaching people becomes difficult in a way that is unusual, you know? Like it's it, it's like a new version of hard to reach people. Yeah, it's like everyone is when everyone is easy to reach, people become more, more selective with what they listen to. Right. So my my goal has always been to find a way to get a message of positivity out in a way that works, that seems to what do you mean in a way that works? Uh, in a way that is self-perpetuating and supports itself. And I, you know, I've been podcasting for a long time now, like over two years and over a hundred episodes of this show alone. And I do three shows. So, but I don't necessarily feel like what I'm doing is working because my audience is not uh, like necessarily growing naturally. You know, I like, right. I, I definitely have um, like a, a solid core but uh, something weird happened in the whole podcasting world recently where like Apple iTunes switched from iTunes to Apple Podcasts. Okay. And a lot of people seem to have lost subscriptions to smaller shows. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I talked to uh, my friend Zach about this recently. He does the Losing Our Religion yeah, podcast. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people saw their audiences cut in half, if not more. Really? And it happened to me. And That sucks. Yeah. I didn't know what had happened at first. I haven't talked about this on the show at all, but... Uh, a couple months ago, my audience cut in, in half. and That sucks. Yeah, after like years of building something that I really believe in and felt like was going somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I really freaked out about it. Because yeah, until I, I knew fair, that... That'd be super disheartening. Yeah, until I knew that it was more of a 
industry-wide thing. Yeah. It didn't seem to happen to like like the big popular podcasts and there's, you know, questions out there as to whether or not there's some sort of uh favoritism happening or something like that. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it hit a bunch of people and I I've heard at this point I've heard at least 3 cases of people losing like half their audience or more huh. overnight. Um and now I feel like I have to build back I my I actually thought about stopping to be honest before yeah. I knew that it wasn't I thought it was my fault you know yeah, I thought yeah. that I had broken my own podcast right um, did you just re-listen to the most recent episode to just be like what did I say no not at all I I just went down this rabbit hole of like these are all the things that I talk about these are like I talk about feminism a lot so I thought that maybe I just alienated people because. Huh. Like that's, I mean, that is real. If you bring up feminism in a in a room full of dudes, you get fucking spat on. Like, it, it's terrible. Huh. I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman in this country, yeah, yeah. or in this world, because, yeah. like, even even just trying to be, uh, even just trying to bring stuff up sometimes, yeah, you just get like kicked in the in the balls. Yeah, dude, fragility <laughs> is is real, real. People do yeah. not like to hear that they're hurting people. They totally. will fucking lose it. Yeah, and that's a big part of the problem, and that that's why uh-huh. it's so hard to make any change is because like the the world is run by fragile white men, and telling them that they are doing something wrong, they like lash out against you. Uh huh. And yeah. it's tough, you know. Like that's a a tough thing, and like you and I are relatively lucky because we are uh, we look white and male, so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it makes it makes it so that we don't have to necessarily even see the problem. Right. And I don't think I truly saw it until uh, within the last like couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm worried I still am not to some degree. Does that make sense? Oh, sure. Like, I, I see the problem now, but I but I don't know if there's any, ever any possible way for me to understand the depth of it. Right. Because, because yeah. I'm a white man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it, I, I've become much more aware of it and growing so all the time and seeing things all over the place now that are problematic and talking about that more and more on the show. Um and I, I think that I, I worried that maybe that drove people away. Anyone who was tuning into this to listen to some light, fun sci-fi chat, you know? Yeah. But that's not but that's not what I'm about. And that's not I mean, that's a part of who I am, but it's not what I'm about. And it's not what the show's about. The show is about like finding hope through media, you know, right. Finding hope through science fiction, like finding hope for the future through the stories that we tell ourselves and each other. Like that's I could talk about that all day, every day. And yeah. I and I do, <laughs> and I record it, and I put it out. But yeah, I mean, I went through this crisis of uh, of podcast where I actually almost ended this show. Yeah, very, very, very close to ending the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, and then and then I ran into Zach, and we talked about this, and he had the same thing happen to him. And it's like it wasn't my fault, you know. Yeah, it's just a thing that happened. It's just that this medium maybe is slightly broken. Yeah. Also, I- like I don't know, man. I don't think. I think almost no podcasts are ever going to just grow steadily the entire time they exist. I think the way that any any notoriety happens at this point is you crawl and you crawl and you crawl and you explode. And it's like <laughs> I just like just think that is the nature of of how notoriety happens. Yeah, I don't know. Part. I question that now because I started game streaming and uh, it's that works, you know, like when I was talking about, like, find something that works. Yeah. Like, that system works because when I am online, I, people aren't searching for sci-fi podcasts. You know, if they search for sci-fi podcasts, they'll never find me because I'm so down on the list of sci-fi podcasts. But if people go on YouTube and look for people playing Mario Maker, there's a very good chance they'll find me. Right. Uh, just because 
And not just that, but uh, if there's someone else playing Mario Maker and they end their stream, they can redirect people towards me. It's called a raid. Right. And I've been raided by um, one of the most popular Mario Maker players on YouTube twice. Right. And uh, my my audience like exploded overnight. Yeah. Um, but that's so, what I'm saying is you, you crawl and you crawl and you explode. And I just think that is how notoriety happens. I'm not saying yeah. that will Well, for all, sure all I'm happen. saying is that game streaming is a self-perpetuating medium in which there are ways that you can find that people can find you you know i think that's true of podcasts too we're just now more years into podcasts than we are into game stream as far as a subculture does that make sense there is no there is no functional way that i have found for people to find my show besides me yelling about it or other people retweeting it it's not like people can just go on itunes and find me you know like that at all I I have searched for sci-fi and gone down like fifty shows. Like I don't show up. Right, so. but if there were like that they have many... to search, they have to know the name of my show to search for it to find it. But if there were that many people doing game streams, it'd be the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Is the mechanisms are not different. You're just getting in on a different floor. Well, there are. No, I totally disagree. There are like people actively sending people to me just because I'm there. Let's like, say like that does not happen with podcasting at all. It does. It does at a certain level, or it did at a certain level. Mark Marin's early podcasts, he could have sent people to other people's podcasts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just think like, I I don't know. I guess maybe I don't understand how game streaming works. But yeah. I there there's like an audience of people that are just going around from like person to person looking for games that they like. Okay, and and that just like that there's just an audience there that needs more content, and they're actively looking for it. And that I have not found anything like that in podcasting. I I have like fought tooth and nail for every listener that I have, right? Uh, and I appreciate them all a lot. And yeah. I, but I don't hear from people that often, and I make very little financial, you know, gains from doing this. It's mostly it's let's be honest, it's a gigantic financial loss to be like creating stuff all the time, you know, yeah. without being paid for it. Yeah. Um, but with game streaming, like I get donations and. Uh, new patreon subscribers like much more frequently than in this medium so so that was happening at the same time because i just started doing that like four months ago three Mm -hmm. or four months ago and my audience for game streaming is like four or five times larger than my podcast audience in a very short amount of time because because it is like a self-perpetuating medium that i also had some big lucky breaks in pretty early on yeah um and and it does feel like the type of thing where you like if you show up your audience can grow whereas with podcasting like there's like a i i just like hope that all my episodes will hit triple digits now you know right. because like something happened and i lost a a portion of my audience right um so there was a piece of me uh, so i don't feel like podcasting is working you know right as far as growing as a as as far as growing an audience what i have done has not worked right. and not just that like i i post on reddit a lot in the sci-fi reddit yeah and the the most popular edit, episodes i've ever had have been because a reddit post did well yeah uh but it's such a toxic environment that i have to be really careful about how i word things yeah and i i mean that's the place where i, I posted up this riddick podcast and got yelled at by a couple people yeah for saying like uh for that i was like being self-righteous and you know just because i i posted in the title like we talked about like the the misogyny in this movie and how it might be negative or something like that, and just that post, people like don't they don't click in and Do listen get, to the podcast. They get all mad about virtue signaling. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They they get really mad that like that 
I'm trying to bring up this conversation. Yeah. So it's it's a really weird thing. I fucking thing. love when people complain about virtue signaling because complaining about virtue signaling is virtue signaling. It's, I've never heard it phrased virtue signaling. Oh, it's like a signaling. big, it's like a big, uh, like internet far right uh, term right now. And like, I don't know, internet far right isn't necessarily the, the right group to automatically assign it to, but it's like a big thing when people are like, people on the right complain about people on the left. They're like, it's just all virtue signaling. You're just like, like you're learning, like, like, uh, for instance, like if you were to like, be like, oh yeah, gender is like, uh, it's like non-binary. It's like a spectrum. Uh, and so like, I don't know, I guess that those are the terms I, I phrase it in now Mm -hmm. because, uh, there are people in your life who are like gender non-binary and have explained that to you. Then they would accuse you of like virtue signaling of like, oh, you're just trying to prove you're a good person. You're just like, you're just, all you're doing is signaling to the, your other I left see, friends. I see, I oh, see. I have this virtue. And it's like, yeah, but you, by calling me out on that, are just signaling to your other friends who hate quote unquote virtue signaling. Like, yeah. just so you know, I'm one of these people. And it's, uh, it drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah. That annoys the fuck out of me. Oh, also. it's infuriating. Yeah. Well, uh, so anyway, long story short, I, when I discovered that it wasn't like my fault, I had to re-examine why I do this. Yeah. And the answer that I came to was because it feels good. You know, yeah. it feels like I'm making something positive and putting it out there. And whether or not people hear it can't factor into the decision of whether or not I do it. Because that, you know, like, I, it's almost impossible to to really know how many people hear a podcast, you know? Yeah. Like the the statistics are imperfect and i don't know how many subscribers i have it's impossible to know there is no way to know yeah uh, with any accuracy and if anyone's telling you that they have that they can figure out how many subscribers they have they're lying like they're doing some sort of math to to guess based off of their download numbers but it's impossible to know how many people subscribe that's just not possible right so it's really and sometimes it's hard to know like how many people are even listening to episodes right uh especially now knowing that something bizarre happened where i seem to have lost like half my audience overnight so and that and that that's happening to other people too like there's something broken about the medium and i and i and I don't know. I mean, it has to be enough to just put it out there for me. Yeah, and, I think and that I, makes sense. Yeah, and like I, that kind of like reinvigorated my interest in doing this. Right. And the idea that um, I, I, there is power and positivity and I have the power to wield it yeah. through this medium better than any other medium that I do. Even though I feel like the medium is broken and I'm I'm not reaching the amount of people that I want to reach and... Uh, and yeah, I mean the you know that's been very depressing recently. Yeah. But but just holding on to the idea that you know if someone is listening and there are people listening, like I know that for sure. Um, for those people, if they get a message of hope and positivity out of it, and that helps make them feel good in any way, that's like one of the most valuable things that I could possibly do, and it feels really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. So what? So what's next for you? Are you? Are you? You're still working on like. Yeah. Rapping at scratch, right? Yeah. So I. Scratch deli. Mm-hmm. That sounded like a slang for something, but it Rapping was not. Rapping at scratch. No, yeah, yeah. it did. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I wrote uh, a pilot over the summer. I like uh, wanted to write like a full thing. So I wrote a pilot and that was sort of my thing over the summer. It's hard. You can't really rap at scratch in the summer as much because it gets so goddamn hot at night that you can't <laughs> have the doors closed for. Yeah. Uh, and be in there for any reasonable amount of time. 
Uh, and so I sort of took some time off from doing that and uh, Come here, Miles. and wrote. Uh, and then me and Daniel DeRozier, uh, friend of the show, uh, friend of us both, uh, he and I have been writing stuff lately. Um, we have like a couple pilots in the works. And then, uh, yeah, I started personally. I got uh, I saved up a bunch of money to buy a, a MacBook so I could start learning to make beats. Uh, so I oh, got cool. Logic and I got a little MIDI controller. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. And so I'm sort of trying to get obsessive with it the way that I did with rapping at first. Where I'll yeah. just spend like eight hours sitting around. Actually, once we're done with this, I'd love to show you a couple things. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I would love your, your thoughts. Totally. Uh, yeah, so that's sort of right now, that's what I'm focusing on. I'm trying to learn to make my own beats because that's been like a real limiting factor for me. Because yeah. like, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's hard to to know what you want unless you can literally control it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, totally. Yeah, and I always uh, I always felt so bad when you'd make a beat and then I'd, I'd be into it, I'd be into it, and then suddenly my brain would go, mm, I don't see it anymore. And I was like, that sucks. Jesse did yeah. nothing wrong. Like, <laughs> Jesse made an awesome beat. That then my brain suddenly was like, oh, I lost it. And it's like that simple as your brain yeah. just loses it sometimes. And I was like... Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never experienced that before. But oh. it, it seemed like you were going through this process of like really being into something, but then not being able to think of what to do over it. And like you lost the, the vision I, for it and it just yeah. couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And I like definitely with music have been very much... I've been very particular about making sure that I'm only doing stuff... Uh, I'm I'm only making forward progress to a degree when I like feel that electricity, yeah. that creative electricity. I sort of lost that in some of my creative pursuits, and so part of making music was trying to find uh, my divining rod towards creative electricity again. If that makes any totally. sense, totally, absolutely, yeah. Um, that's super cool. Uh, and so that's been like an important part. But then, uh, yeah, so, sometimes that's frustrating because sometimes you get. 70% through a thing and then find out that that thing is nothing to you suddenly. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Yeah. I, the only time I can think of something like that happening to me is I was working on the song Lightspeed where I got pretty deep into it and just felt like it wasn't working and I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on like what was wrong and what was off about how the original vision is not coming out in this version of this song that I'm working on. Yeah. And I had to like walk away from it and just do other things. Yeah. Like maybe someday I'll come back. Cause that there's an idea in that song that I really love. Yeah. And there's a version of that song that must exist. And I just can't figure out what yep. it is. Yep. Uh, but f- until then I just had to kind of put it down and step away from it. Yeah. Which is painful. Cause it's like, it sucks. You work so hard on something. You want it to get out in the world. It sucks. It feels, it feels like, uh, I was talking about it with DeRosia the other day. It feels like defeat. Um, yeah. but it's like, I think it's really important to like, be like, that's fine. I can step away from this. It's still here. It's still intact. All the progress I've made so far is, I still believe in. I'm just yeah. like, uh, I just don't know. I don't see the way, I don't see the way through yet, but that's like fine. Walk away, work on other stuff. Yeah. Let yourself come back to it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, this has been a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like we're we're like opening rabbit holes that I could just fall down. Uh-huh. But, but because of that, we should probably like close it. Yep. I think that's fair. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I'm at the point where I will like spiral out into existential dread. Uh-huh. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I really like what we've talked about, you know, like some, I don't know. I, I am someone who believes that like the creative impulse um, is a noble pursuit. Yes. That, and, and I have chosen to just live my life that way. And I think you have also. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think I just still have qualms about it. 
Yeah, I'm, I I think that like coming to terms with doing that in a world that doesn't necessarily value what you're doing is yeah. really difficult, and like yeah. finding a way to to make it like self sustaining is really difficult. And I don't know. I mean, I, I I struggle with that all the time. You know, yeah. Especially with this podcast, which I think is the the least uh, asked for of the things that I do. Like people seem to really love my music and. Uh, game streaming, but and I there are people that really love the podcast, but uh, for for the most but a part, a smaller group of people, you feel like, yeah, I think so. And for the most part, um, I don't think that the, like my family and friends really even listen. You know, yeah, like a couple of them do, and I hear from them every once in a while. But for the most part, I I I'm not really sure who I'm reaching with this, except that I see numbers of people who've listened to it, right? Um, and like if I miss a week, no one ever asks me what happened. Yeah. Whereas if I like, people ask me every day when I'm game streaming next. And I yeah. have a schedule, you know? Yeah, and that's still, rad. They that's still ask me cool. every day. And it's really weird. Like, it feels it feels like something's broken or off about podcasting. But it's also, like, I just love it, you know? Yeah. And and I, I'm reaffirmed in the belief that making something that you love can only be a positive thing. Especially if, if you're doing it just to find hope yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think podcasting is broken. I think uh, I, I just think it's structured in a way that probably feels very frustrating, though. Yeah. I think I think in five years, game streaming will have all of the same problems. You will just have gotten in on a, on what is closer to a ground floor of game streaming. I think that's a super good point. I think that if I had started podcasting like two years earlier, it would have been a really different story because yeah. there was a point where I would have been seen because there weren't enough people. Right. Uh, and I, that's definitely what's happening with like I mean. Like Mario Maker is a very specific community of yeah. people who want to watch that, and like the Mario Maker community on Twitch is already big enough that I probably wouldn't have been seen there. But right. on YouTube, it's small enough that I do get seen. So right. that that's a huge part of it. Uh, but I also feel like I just kept trying different creative things until something that I tried seemed to to do well. Yeah. And now I'm seeing a little bit of uh, backwards compatibility yeah. where. I mean, there's been a couple of people that watch my game streams who become my my most vocal podcast listeners recently, and that's amazing. I mean, yeah. I'm talking to you, Paula. You're amazing. I know oh, you're yeah. listening to this right now, Paula. And you're we awesome. Love, <laughs> we love you here at Jesse's apartment. We do. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's really inspiring to, you know, because I, I now have this like back catalog of right, you know, over a hundred episodes. Like if you all three shows combined, it's like over 150 episodes of yeah. stuff. I worry about that. I am uh, I'm technologically not savvy nor particularly interested in it. Like, I, like, don't really give a shit about uh, innovation and technology for the most part. And I worry about that because I'm like, like, there are so many people whose careers were made because they gave a shit about podcasting when no one else did. And so they made a podcast in the first two years of podcasting. Yeah. And that's how their career started. And I'm, like, really nervous yeah. about that. I'm like, I need to, like... Maybe I need to pay attention to more things. So that I, think, I, like, I think that that's impossible to track. To try. I think that's impossible to track. Yeah. I, my my answer to that is like, do you? Yeah. Because like from I started watching, I was watching a lot of streamers and I was really into it, you know, and I yeah. developed this really intense need to do it because when right. I enjoy something, I usually want to make it. Right. And I just decided to try because I really liked it. So yeah. for me, like it wouldn't be sustainable if it wasn't something I was passionate about. Yeah. Uh, and I just got really lucky really early on. I mean, my, and I mean, my game streaming audience is still, you know, on the smaller side. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're still a small fish, but you're like yeah. a bigger, but it's growing in a way right. that I've never seen before for anything that I've done Yeah. in a, in a way that's like, 
that seems to be um, sustaining itself. It's yeah. definitely paying for itself. Yeah. I mean, all the all the stuff that I've needed to game stream, like, has come through game streaming. Like, That's either so people tight. donating it or donating just money for me That's to buy so it. That's so fucking tight. Yeah, like, I have a Nintendo Switch now and, like, Mario Kart, Mario Odyssey. And mm-hmm. I, it was not on my radar at all because I'm, you know, on medical leave and I have been for over a year because of Lyme disease. Yeah. Like, I would never have gotten a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. But somebody bought me one. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, so now I now I have this toy that I adore that yeah. I get to share that joy with with other people. And I hear from people that it really, like, makes their day to see me be goofy and, and love what I'm doing online. And that, like, that feels so, like, good. Yeah. That, that feels like I've done a good thing. Yeah. Just by doing what I love and putting it out there. Yeah. And it, it really gives me, uh, like, fire to keep on podcasting. Because yeah. if I can grow any audience anywhere, if, if I have, like, 100,000 people watching me game stream, which I absolutely do not. <laughs> right, yeah. But if you were able to <laughs> but if get I did, to that point. Yeah. I, then maybe I'd have, like, 1,000 or 10,000 people listening to the podcast mm-hmm. out of that audience. Right. And, I mean, that would be huge that would be such a such a worthwhile endeavor and and it's become such a part of my life like the idea of not doing it is terrifying yeah because i love inviting people over to chat it's just like the best excuse to do that yeah and it would make me so sad to not do it yeah i'm just trying to talk myself into it (laughs) i think that's fair i think i think that's fair i don't know i'm just trying to give you my own experience because i have felt what you're describing so intensely and it sucks yeah like just this feeling of like why do i create this is pointless and it's terrible it yeah it's not it's not this is pointless it's it's that sometimes i go i might be in one of the times where i where i need to be doing something else i might just Mm. like exist as a human being in a in a time in which creation while all while i think is in many ways the, the ultimate uh good deed there are some uh my brain sometimes goes yeah but like maybe let's make sure the world sticks around for a second before we get yeah. to make an art uh within it i don't yeah i don't think i, I actually you. think that uh i don't think uh it would take a long time to explain i don't think that's actually that valid it's just a feeling i have sometimes but you know what's so interesting is what i just realized uh I think the reason that I have been so vehemently trying to convince you for the last hour that like yeah that creativity is worth it is because like, I'm trying to convince myself. Oh, 100%. 100 percent. Like, I, I, there this whole idea of like fear of the unknown, fear of what the other is thinking, like validation for your own beliefs. I'm doing it right now. Like, right. I want validation for the fact that this is what I believe and this is the action that I've chosen to take. And right. like, you're a friend of mine who's who's doing something similar and thinking about doing something else. Right. And that causes fear in me that maybe I'm doing something wrong. hundred percent. And then I, I think that honestly, a lot of what I've just said has been out of defensiveness. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I had think that, you taken the opposing point, I would have been you. I would, had you been like, maybe we should all quit and do politics. I would have been like, nah, nah, man, you got to tend to your backyard before you can help your neighbor. Like I would have <laughs> been making the same argument. That's the other really way. interesting. But that just leads me to the conclusion that like everybody has to make their own choices. Yeah. And wh- what works for me is creativity doing what I'm doing, what we're doing right now. Like this, this feels really good to me. Like yeah. this type of conversation, being able to put that out in the world. Yeah. That feels like I've made progress, you know? Yeah. But if, but if you're not getting that from your art, then like, then you need it. And maybe you right. can find it and from think, doing actual political work. And that's a hundred percent 
definitely the right thing to do if that's what you want to do. I yeah. mean, that's a great thing to do. I think if I'm being honest with myself, I just probably need to do a little bit more political work. And that's all yeah. I really... I think really this could all be settled if once a week I did a thing. Uh, yeah. And I'd love to hear what you come up with because I... I mean, particularly because I am like dealing with Lyme disease, it's really difficult for me to get out and do things sometimes. Yeah. I can't be that reliable. I can't go to marches. I can't go to rallies. Right. Because I would just have... I mean... It's yeah, just way too intense fair. for me. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something I can do from home, and I've just kind of learned to be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that I also, I do also feel that, like, more action is necessary right now. I feel like this is the time to, you know, be up in arms about empathy and, like, and being anti-racism and being feminist. And, like, this is the time. And, you know, I'm doing what I can for my couch at home. Right. Which I feel like is, you know, is awesome. Like, I, I'm proud of that. Yeah. But I, but if, if anyone has any ideas of positive things to do, you know, do it. Like, this is the time to do it. This is yeah. totally the time to do it. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear people's ideas on what we can do and what's like a positive way forward. Email yeah. me at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you guys do something that makes you feel like you're helping fix the world a little bit, uh, please, yeah, let us know. Yeah. I, am, I am curious as to how people get their various fulfillments in that way. Yeah, I'm super curious also. I, do, uh, I started recently doing something called Sci-Fi Supplemental where people can record themselves and send it to me and I'll put together a mini episode that I put into my feed. Rad, that's uh, cool. So that's your new assignment. And if I don't get any, this won't happen. But if anyone has... Uh, like positive actions that they are taking to help with our political situation right now. If you want to record yourself and email even it to me. if it's not political. Anything yeah, that you guys totally. do that you consider Makes the world a better. positive influence on the world, I'm yeah, curious about. I'd really like to hear that. And I'd love to hear it in your own words too. And you can mm-hmm. email that to sci-fi supplemental at gmail.com because that has a bigger inbox. Right. Uh, yeah, just like recording yourself on a voice memo and then you'll be a podcast star. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know... If, it, if no one sends it in, that's totally fine. It just won't happen. But that's something that I'd really like to hear. And yeah, it would yeah. make me feel good. I'm curious as well. Because yeah. I, I see it. Uh, I think I almost have like a false dichotomy where it's like you can do political work or you can make art. And those are and it's like, oh, there's so many other ways that I'm sure people feel yeah. like they make positive influences all the time that I'm just not thinking about. And those are the two that are on my mind because they're closest aligned with my values. Yeah, totally. Right. And you, I mean, in order to do something sustainable, it has to work for you mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yeah. Dude, let's end this was so awesome. Can, yeah. So I can pee. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much. This was awesome. I, I'll put, thank uh, you. Wh- where can people find your, your music? Um, SoundCloud slash Daniel of Connell, like O'Connell. If you were to like translate that into what it actually means, Daniel of Connell. Nice. Uh, O F C O N N E L L. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll wrap this up with your other Hell hit yeah. single. Yeah. With my other hit single. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, what's, what's that other one called? I don't remember. Uh, what, what happened? What happened? That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I forget the names to all of the things I make all the time. So I had a, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of myself for remembering. I was like, mm, I don't know. I know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I can sing it, but I don't uh-huh. know what the title is. Uh-huh. And oh, it's, it's very apropos <laughs> of this discussion. So it'll be a great way to wrap this up. Hell yeah. Cool. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank this you for great. having me. What happened to the country that I used to love? What happened to the country that I used to love? As a kid, was told that even though might ain't right, I could sleep tight. Cause America's sight is 2020. 
be the good guys of the people talk funny America's smart it's why we got money got older we ain't got money man we got debt trapped in a shipwreck water to our neck if we want to survive it can't get much higher worry that I'll be living the last days of the Roman Empire no huns climate change denies we start the fire and lately I am starting to have doubts that we can put it out we just sit and pout yeah the world's got cracks someone else should buy It's relaxed time, playing the back nine If a poor man die, it was his damn time Only time I believe in Darwinism is when it's applied to mankind All white dudes hella mopey Cause they can't be so openly gropey I say that black folks could use a good roping If you ask them, America's mouth could use a good soaping The world's sloping, plus a slippery hickory If we let dick stock, society is gonna take a pit stop in a Hitchcock Daily hurricanes, giving floor to brain Look what the gays done bring I don't engage with climate change No, it doesn't exist, trust me I heard it from a scientist, I paid to subsist What happened to the country that they used to love? Never left What happened to the country that they used to love? Never left That was What Happened by Daniel O'Connell. I feel like I'm on the radio right now. It's very weird. Uh, I'm talking. There's a song behind me. I don't know what to do. This is why I'm not actually on the radio. So that song was produced by someone named It's Spaceman. I I think that's how you say it. It's spelled like I-T-Z-S-P-V-C-E-M-A-N. That person produced that song. Uh, and I, I did a little bit of recording and mastering, but I, you know, n- only technical work on that song. So it was really interesting to be involved in this project where uh, there was like three tracks that Dan put out and I was, I produced one of them and I did some, you know, mixing and mastering on the other two, but didn't have, didn't really touch the other two that much. Uh, and then those are out there in the world. So you can check them out on his SoundCloud page. So I wanted to put a little tag on that discussion with Baby Dan. Since we had that chat, I've actually learned a little bit more about why my podcast numbers dropped so much so quickly. Uh, and it was because of the transition to Apple Podcasts. But uh, what I didn't know when we had that chat was that uh, the numbers I have now are actually probably more accurate to how many people actually listen to the show. Uh, so I, I, it seems that I actually have had about half the size of audience that I thought that I had. There wasn't some mass exodus. I didn't lose half my audience. I just didn't have that audience to begin with for the podcast. So that's been something I'm kind of coming to terms with and uh, trying to wrap my brain around a little bit. Obviously, it's really upsetting and disappointing for me. Uh, and I'm still working this out. I'm still trying to figure out if uh, 
if if podcasting is something that I'm going to continue to do or if I if I do continue, is it going to look the same as it looks right now? Because I'm definitely feeling like what I've been doing with this show in particular has not necessarily worked as far as uh, reaching an audience and being something that people are excited enough about to want to share to help the audience grow. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Uh, if this show goes away, it will be replaced by something very similar. I mean, I'm addicted to talking about science fiction. Uh, it could be a different podcast. It could be a stronger focus on sci-fi on trial. It could be, uh, more live broadcasts on my YouTube page. Uh, this is something that I feel driven to do and I'm just trying to find a way that works because it's kind of an unusual thing to do. Just, I just want to chat about sci-fi. Uh, and I just don't know what the best medium is to get that across. So if that's not this show, I'm still working that out and some changes may happen in how I present those chats in the future, but they will still continue. So if you're a fan of this and you like this, I don't want you to feel like I'm going to abandon you because that's not, uh, that's not in the cards right now. But, um, but this show as it is may scale back or may go away. I just don't know. I have a bunch of episodes recorded that I'm still going to release. And honestly, like any sort of feedback that I get from people out there in the world, uh, is really going to influence what happens with this show in one way or another. If I can, if I don't get feedback, if I don't hear from people, then I will probably, um, peter out the production of this show, maybe put out episodes every once in a while when I feel like it, but not necessarily think of it as an ongoing podcast the way that I have been approaching it for the last couple of years. So if you love this show, please reach out to me at sci-fi at jessemercury.com or on Twitter at sci-fi project, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube at Sci-Fi. Let me know. I mean, this is your chance to save this podcast. Uh, Not to say that it's going away. I mean, I definitely have not made any decisions. And for the time being, I will continue to put out episodes. But uh, if I continue to not get any feedback or enthusiasm, then I will start to consider uh, maybe maybe closing the doors on this chapter of my sci-fi life and opening up a new one. You know, I will. Yeah, I've already said all this, but I I have no intention of not talking about sci-fi. It's just, is this show uh, the best way to do that? Because this show is what I put the most time and effort into of uh, of all my creative stuff. And honestly, it's the least popular. And I'm just having this wake up call that maybe, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) If I want to reach my ultimate dream of being a content creator and being able to support myself, I got to figure out what people like, and I got to figure out what can generate some revenue. And right now game streaming is looking really promising and that's very exciting. Uh, and I would love to figure out some way to have, to harness that excitement and that forward momentum in my sci-fi stuff, because, because it really all comes back to, uh, just, wanting to talk about a positive vision of the future. And science fiction gives me the best way that I can think of to do that, or the way that feels the most me and the most exciting to me. So yeah, I just got to figure out what medium can I deliver that in that people might get a little bit more excited about. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep on putting out episodes of this. uh, And I would love to hear from you if you are excited about this, because that very well may be what I need to keep going. You know, just getting that feedback might be all that I need to, to, to spark that energy that it requires to put the show out. Um, But if I don't hear back from anyone, then I will seriously consider ending the show. (laughs) Long story short. Uh, man, thank you for listening to me ramble. I appreciate it. Um, 
if you're even out there. I don't know anymore. I just don't know. But obviously, I'm stressing about it. Uh, man, but either way, what what I've done with this show up until this point, every episode I have loved and I have really enjoyed. And there have been high points. There have been episodes that did really well. Uh, they got hundreds of plays that made me feel, well, I think they got hundreds of plays. I don't know anymore. But made me really feel like I was doing something good and positive and worthwhile. And I will never lose that. You know, no matter what happens to this show, I will always have had those moments of success within it. Uh, and if I decide to move on to something else, and so be it. Uh, but man, it's been it's been a wonderful journey. I my my dream would be to keep doing this. My dream would be to 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 see this audience grow and see this thing that I built grow and it you know get back to where I thought it was with the audience size. I just feel like I've you know I need to graduate to that point to continue to make this worthwhile with the podcasting. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Also, I don't know. If you know, let me know, because I don't know. Uh, But anyway, I can tell you for sure that I will have another show coming out next week. It's going to have Zach Gandra. He and I will be doing a commentary to Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, So I can tell you for sure that there's another episode coming out. We'll take it one episode at a time. I have at least like three or four recorded right now that will come out no matter what. Uh, And then every time I put an episode out, it's it's kind of going to be a a gauging of the temperature as to whether or not this is something that should continue. So yeah, there's definitely, definitely some wiggle room here. I'd like to see this continue uh, and you can help. So let me know what you think. Thank you so much for listening until next time. Stay nerdy out there.